Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. All right, all right. Well, welcome to Reach Church. You guys can be seated. If you guys can just turn up my monitor just a little bit. Again, thank you guys. Shout out to the sound team back there. How many of you guys appreciate them? You don't notice them until they mess up. So again, we, we're going to appreciate them right off the bat, all right? So we, we thank you guys for coming to Reach Church, one of the best places to be at on a Wednesday night. And so I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be able to share uh, with you guys tonight. I, I, I'm very thankful. I stand on this stage and I'm thankful for what God has done. I'm thankful for my life and my family and uh, really just thankful for Reach Church. And I, I can honestly say that I'm a blessed man. And uh, it's amazing to see what God is doing in our church. It's amazing to see that God is uh, continuing to move and, and God is really moving like never before. And I really believe that there's no stopping. I really do believe that God is going to keep going. Uh, and I want to encourage you, don't wait to get involved. Don't wait to, to get in this fight. Don't wait to be a part of ministry, to be a part of this church, uh, because we're going and we're not stopping. Again, if, this, if you haven't made this your home church, this is your confirmation. Make this your home church, especially those online. If you've been watching for some time, come to church. Come to the city of Paramount. Don't worry, you'll be safe. Uh, you'll have Jason right next to you. You'll be good, all right? So I'm excited to be here tonight. You guys, are you guys blessed tonight? Again. I'm ready to go, and so I want to quickly talk. I'm not going to be very long, um, but as we prepare for the holidays, obviously we have our Christmas service. We have all these different things coming up, and if you really think about Christmas, if you really think about the real meaning behind it, if you think about how Jesus came and he was born of a virgin, how he was there, he's born to be the Messiah, to be the one who would die on a cross and, and be raised on the third day. He was, he was there to remove our sin and shame. If you really think about Christmas, man, I can't help but to be thankful. I can't help but to be grateful for, for Christmas and for what Jesus has done, that he was willing to come down for me I become even more grateful for what Christmas is. And I believe during the holidays, a lot of us forget. We forget the real reason of why we celebrate Christmas. Why Christians make it such a big deal. Why it's so important to us. Don't get me wrong, I love Christmas. I love, I love the lights. I love Christmas music. Again, I listen to Christmas music all the way up until July, and then I take about a couple months, and then I'm back on it in October. Again, I listen to I love it all. I, I love giving gifts. It's great. I love it. But sometimes we can forget why we do what we do, why we celebrate, why we come together. And so tonight, my message is going to be very simple. Uh, my message tonight is a reminder to everybody. For those that don't know, I hope you leave this room inspired. For those of you that do know, I hope you leave even more grateful and thankful for Jesus. You see, when we think about Christmas and, and what it is, you guys can actually put that background on. I forgot to tell the media team that I'm preaching on our theme this, uh, tonight. If you really think about what Christmas is, I want everyone to always remember that Christmas is about redemption. It's about Christ becoming the redeemer from us, for us all. 
And I believe too many of us forget the power in his redemption. We've forgotten the God that we serve, the one who came and made a way where there seemed to be no way. The one who came and the one who will never let us down. And honestly, because some of us have forgotten the power of his redemption, some of us are living a life full of shame, guilt, confusion, chaos, and we're walking this life broken and feeling alone. My message is simple. We were never called to live that way. We just heard on Sunday that God is a God of peace that he wants to bring peace to your life. And tonight I'm gonna to encourage you and remind you that God wants to redeem your life. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to John chapter eight, verse one, and we're gonna read all the way to verse 11. John chapter eight, verse one through 11. We're gonna read it really quickly. It says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in the front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they can use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger, they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Why don't you guys pray with me? So, Father, we thank you tonight. God, we thank you for all that you've done in our life, Jesus. Lord, we pray that as I as I preach tonight, God, that they would hear your voice and not mine. Father, I pray that we be reminded, Lord, that you still redeem today. And Father, I pray that we'd leave this room challenged, God, that we'd leave this room inspired to live for you again. And we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Daisy. You're good. Why don't you guys give it up to Daisy? <clears throat> Again, now in John chapter 8, I want you to understand what's really going on in this moment. The Pharisees who hate Jesus, who, the religious leaders who want to tear Jesus down, are trying to trap Jesus by creating this scenario in which they thought Jesus would have to compromise. They, the Pharisees bring out this woman who was caught in the act of adultery, who was, who was caught sleeping with a married man, and, and they tell Jesus, hey, the law of Moses says to stone her, but what do you say? You, you have to understand, keep this in mind, that the Pharisees themselves were disregarding the law by arresting the woman without the man. You see, let's state the obvious. Uh, it takes two to commit adultery, Right? And it was, it was against the law to have one person instead of both be stoned. So the Pharisees, we can, un, we can assume that they know the law. 
We can assume that they know that they had to bring both of them, but they're trying to trap Jesus, so they broke the law, and they're trying to trap Jesus in, to get him to compromise. And we have this woman here, and they said, well, Jesus, what do you say? You see, if Jesus were to say, well, that woman should not be stoned, they would accuse him of violating Moses' law. If he urged them to execute her, they would report him to the Romans because at that time, the Romans did not permit the Jews to carry out their own uh, executions. And so here we have the Pharisees. They're asking Jesus, okay, what are you going to do? And I love what he does. He just ignores them. He doesn't care about what's going on. He doesn't care about what they're saying. He said it starts riding in the sand. And I believe the Pharisees got a little bit upset, right? They got a little bit more aggressive, and they kept asking Jesus, okay, well, what are you going to do? What should we do with this woman demanding that Jesus answer? And I love that he just stands up straight, and he says the famous words, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. The Pharisees trapped this woman, or tra trying to trap Jesus during this whole time, all at the expense of this poor woman. All at the expense of this poor woman who was caught in the act of adultery. You have to understand, she's probably exposed in front of the whole crowd. She's probably feeling ashamed that everyone knows that she's been sleeping around, including Jesus. There's this woman who's caught in the act of adultery, and the law says that she has to be stoned. There's no denying that this woman had sinned. There's no escape for her in that moment. And I believe Jesus understands that. He understands, and he says, while the person that has never sinned cast the first stone. I want you guys to recognize this, that in this moment where Jesus is, is, is somewhat trapped in what to do, he never denied that this woman sinned. He never denied that what she did was, wasn't wrong or her sin didn't require to be dealt such a grueling punishment. Jesus didn't condone her sin. He didn't ignore what she had done. He simply asked those that are without sin to cast the first stone. See, I really believe that there is a reason why Jesus didn't comfort this lady in the beginning. There's a reason why Jesus didn't tell the Pharisees, well, I'm going to forgive her of her sins. I, I, don't worry, I got this covered. Uh, she's going to be okay. There's a reason why Jesus did it. He could have easily defended this woman. He could have easily told her, well, I'm going to save her. But before he did anything, I believe Jesus had to allow this woman to understand and accept what she had done was wrong and sinful. You see, before Jesus, before, because in order for Jesus to redeem your life, in order for him to restore your life, you first have to acknowledge and confess that you're a sinner. There needs to be an understanding of a need for forgiveness. There needs to be an understanding of a need for a savior, that the way you've been living is wrong. And Jesus, I believe, was waiting for her to realize it. In 1 John 1, 9, it says this, If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Man, that's amazing. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses that if we just confess or sin to him, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. You see, we have to first acknowledge that we're sinners. We have to first confess it. You see, this verse sounds amazing, but there's another verse after that that I don't think many of you guys remember it. 
It says in verse 10, if we claimed we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. The problem with the culture of today is they're inching closer and closer, closer and closer, believing that sin isn't wrong anymore. Sin is no longer called sin. And we're seeing Christians bend more to what culture says. We're seeing things that were once universal, universal truths be misconstrued because it doesn't fit their narrative or the way they feel. It doesn't feel good to be called a sinner. It doesn't feel good to be told what I'm doing is wrong or I shouldn't live this way. Even the Christian church has taken a backseat on what sin is and what it isn't. We've even seen the Pope now blessing homosexual marriages. You see, it's no longer black and white. It's no longer right or wrong. It's now become this gray area. Well, that's your truth. That's, That's your perspective. That's your own conviction. Well, if I think it's right, then it's okay. And that's why we've seen so many Christians deconstruct the word of God. We've seen so many big preachers, big worship leaders, evangelists that are changing their views of what they believe to be right and wrong. Why? Because they've neglected the word of God. Because the word of God is no longer true. The word of God is no longer enough for them anymore. Because Christians and culture cannot admit that they're sinners because you can't even define what a man or a woman is, because you clearly can't stand up for what's right and wrong. All they're doing is exchanging the truth. They're exchanging the power of God's redemption for a sinful and empty life. And without believing that the word of God is true and the only truth, without acknowledging that you're a sinner, that you need a savior, that you begin to forfeit that blessing that he wants to give you. You forfeit the redemption that God wants to give you. You see, Christmas, that's the only reason why Jesus was sent. That's the only reason that God gave up his only son was because you and I were polluted with sin. Because you and I, by nature, are sinners. We naturally choose to sin. And because we were polluted with sin, thanks to Adam and Eve, we are now in need of a redeemer. We are in need of a savior. And the only one who can redeem us is Jesus. I mean, we know this most popular scripture in the world right now is John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's what Christmas is about. That's what the gospel is about, that we are sinners in need of a savior. That he's the only one who can save us, the only one who can redeem us, the only one who can give us that second chance at eternity. That's through Jesus. See, I love this story in John chapter 8 when this woman is caught. You see, she's before Jesus. She's before all the Pharisees. They, they have her trapped. They have her exposed. And not once did she try to reason with all of them. Not once did she try to justify what she was doing. Well, it, it wasn't that bad. I was only laying with the man. 
well, we didn't really do anything, so it's not technically sin. Well, I was just talking to him. I was just hanging out with this person alone. She knew what she was doing was wrong. The woman took responsibility. And I believe she was ready for her punishment. She was ready to die in that moment because she knew that she, she, she deserved it. I believe too many of us, though, unlike this woman, are refusing to take responsibility for our actions. Some of us believe, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm living a good life. You know, we look at other people's life and, and we look at our own, well, I'm not as bad as that person. We think just because we come to church, just because we can lift our hands, say amen, read the scripture of the day, that we're good. We think that we're good just because we, we look good on the outside, but some of you guys can't even be accountable to your leaders. Some of you get offended when they call you out to live right. Some of us, we just, we tell everyone, well, I'm good. I'm, I'm living right. You don't know my heart, Pastor. You, you don't know what I do. You see, let me tell you, you're not fooling anybody. Trying to look like you have it all together, and you're definitely not fooling God. I love what our pastor says is, you're free to do whatever you want to do. You're free to live the way you want to live, but you're not free from the consequences of your actions. I mean, let me be honest with you guys. If you're living a life without having a personal relationship with Jesus, then you're living a life of sin. And unfortunately, the truth is, that lifestyle will eventually lead to death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Sin leads to death, and it will always lead there. There's no, there's no escaping the consequences of your sin by your own strength. This woman was on her way to hell. Why? Because she was living in sin. You can imagine how this woman is feeling. She's thrown out in front of everyone, naked, exposed, probably embarrassed. She's ashamed for what she had done. She's probably feeling brokenhearted, lost, and probably under, really understanding, well, I'm probably going to die in this moment. This is probably going to be the last moments that I'm here on earth, that there's no way out. There's no hope for me left. I'm exposed, and my accusers are telling me that I deserve death. That's what I deserve. And I, I can almost imagine that she begins to agree with her accusers. That she begins to agree with her accusers that, yes, you're right, I'm a sinner. Yes, you're right, I deserve death. Then that's what's going to happen. She's being taunted with her past. She's allowing her accusers to tell her what she deserves. I think tonight, some of you may be feeling that. Some of you may be feeling ashamed for what you've done in the past. Some of you may be feeling like you're lost, like there's no more hope for you. Some of you in this room understand that you're a sinner. You know that you don't have it all together. You know that without Jesus, your life is a mess, but it's that very thought that's keeping you from Jesus. Some of you are feeling condemned just like this woman. And some of you have been listening to the accuser. 
believing that you deserve to feel this way, believing that you deserve to feel outcasted, you deserve to feel ashamed, you deserve to feel condemned, you deserve to feel guilty, because it's what I deserve. I'm here to encourage you tonight. You see, just like this woman who was being accused of sinning, who was caught in the act of adultery, who was about to get stoned to death in which she deserved. I love what it says in John chapter eight, verse 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus says, neither do I. This story is a perfect depiction of what Christ has done for each and every one of you. He redeemed you. He's made redemption available to everyone in this room. This woman should have been stoned to death. She should have physically died in that moment for committing adultery. And she shouldn't have got a second chance. And I look around this room, nobody deserves a second chance. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve to be shown grace and mercy. But it's because God loved us so much that he's willing to send his only son to die on the cross for you and I so that the power of sin would be removed from our lives. You see, Jesus is the ultimate redeemer. The only one who can break your addiction. The only one who can get rid of your sin and guilt. The the only one who can satisfy you and give you a life that's worth living. You see, it was because the woman accepted that she was a sinner that Jesus showed her grace and forgave her. You see, that woman walked away with a life that was redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That's the greatest message. Is that Jesus was sent here to redeem you. You and I to our rightful place. You see, in the word of God, it says that we were made in his image. We were made in the likeness of God. It's something that's called imago Dei, and it, which means in Latin, image of God. It refers to the fact that humanity carries a unique resemblance of God. Genesis 1.27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We as humans carry a likeness and resemblance of God. You see, like God, we are individual beings with self-consciousness. Like God, we will eventually enter into eternity, whether it's heaven or hell. Like God, we have a capacity and drive for relationships, and we have the freedom and ability to do whatever we want to do. It's called free will. And in so many ways, we are like God. And in fact, every one of you carry the image of God, but our image is corrupted by sin. You see, we carry the image of God, but just like Adam and Eve sinned, we've carried on that sin with us. So I look at this right here, and I'm gonna gonna do a little illustration for you guys tonight, so bear with me. If you guys can see in the back, I apologize. But I want you to understand, these three cups signify three things. This first one here signifies God. This next one here signifies our own life. And this other one signifies sin. You see, before Adam and Eve sinned, this is God. We look just like God. 
We had a resemblance of his life. We had a resemblance of, of his qualities. We, 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 have a, we had a consciousness. We can do free will. We wanted to be around people. And before, before we sinned, before Adam and Eve sinned, this is how we looked. But we all know the story that there was a fall in the garden. And Adam and Eve both sinned, and this is what happens to our life. It begins to become polluted. Now, it looks okay, but you can tell that it's very different from God. And that's how some of our lives are, where we first are born, we're born into sin, we're by nature sinners. But the more we start to do our own thing, the more we start to walk away from God, the more we start to live our own life, is we start to sin a little bit more, and we start to become more polluted. We start to look nothing like who we were created to look like. And because we start to sin, we start to look more like sin as opposed to who we were created for. And you see, that's how some of your life looks right now. Some of you guys are so polluted with sin, so polluted with your own ambitions, your own ideas and thoughts, that you're starting to look more like sin as opposed to God. Which one do you guys look like tonight? You see, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not living for the Lord, this is how you look. Polluted, dirty. That's how your heart looks. That's how your thoughts are without God. But I told you tonight, I'm here to encourage you. I told you tonight that Jesus sent his son and we're going to have Christmas to be born of a virgin. Why? Because there was only one sacrifice that can cleanse us from all the sin in the world. And that's through Jesus. And so what happens in your life when you come to reach church and you know about the gospel and you finally accept that you're a sinner, you finally know that you need a savior, that you need forgiveness, that your life is so tainted with sin, when you finally accept that and you say, Jesus, I, I repent of my sins. Jesus, I, I, I give you my life. Jesus, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of looking ugly. I'm tired of feeling dirty. Jesus, can you come into my life? What happens is Jesus starts to become part of your life, and he starts to cleanse you of all your sin. Now, you look like who you're created for. Now you bear the image of God. Now you have your rightful place as a resemblance of God. You see, there's a reason why Jesus came down. He came down to redeem you. He came down to give you a second chance. In Hebrews 9 verse 15, if I can have the worship team come up, it says this. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. Since death has occurred, that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Without Jesus, we're lost and impaired by sin. But I'm here to encourage you tonight, this freedom that I'm talking about, this purity that God wants to give us is for everyone. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you sinned last week or even today. 
If you're willing to acknowledge that you're a sinner, he's willing to forgive you. This woman was caught in the act of adultery, but he redeemed her life. There's so many people in the Bible that did not deserve a second chance. Paul was killing Christians. David committed adultery. Moses was a murderer. John, Jonah disobeyed God. Peter denied Jesus three times. But the very thing that they all had in common was they accepted that they were sinners and needed a savior. It was because they repented of their sins. It was the only reason why they were redeemed. I look at my life and yeah, although I'm the pastor's son, right? I'm supposed to be holy, as you could say, right? That everyone has this look on me, this light on me. But let me tell you, I refuse to serve God for so long. I refuse to, to do what my parents do, or were doing. I refuse to do what my brothers were doing. And I did my own thing. I lived for myself, knowing that God had done this for me knowing that he died on the cross for me, knowing that every Christmas he was born of a virgin so that he would be the redeemer for my life, and I still gave it up. Why? Because I was so addicted to my sin. But it wasn't until I finally got fed up. I finally said, you know what? I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of walking this life by my own way. I'm tired of feeling empty, I'm tired of feeling going to one thing to different things to satisfy my needs. And I finally came to a point in my life where I realized that I was a sinner. I realized that I needed a savior. I realized that I needed someone to forgive me of my sins. And I remember one moment, I threw it all, I threw it all out. I said, God, I'm a sinner. God, I, I know I'm jacked up. God, I, I, I know that, that I turned my back on you so many times. But if you forgive me, I'm gonna live for you. And I remember in that moment, as I acknowledged that I was a sinner, I, as I confessed that I was a sinner and I repented of my sins, I was redeemed in that moment. Tonight, Jesus can redeem each and every one of you but you have to be willing to acknowledge that you're a sinner. You have to be willing to confess that you're a sinner and you have to be willing to say no more to sin. You see, this woman, Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, neither do I accuse you, but he said something right after. He says, go on and sin no more. That's the ultimate reason for Jesus redeeming you. is so that one, you can know him. Two, so that you can make him known to everyone else. Jesus never redeemed you for nothing. He didn't redeem you so you wouldn't look like that again, although he did. But he redeems you for a purpose. Jesus told the woman, go and sin no more. Without Jesus, you can't do that. Without God in your life, without Jesus in your life, there is absolutely no way you can live without sinning. He's the only way that we can live a holy life. Without Jesus, we're broken. Without Jesus, we're weak. But that's what makes his redemption so powerful. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, 
My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I mean, if you really think about Paul's life, he was not a weak man. He went around the world, preached the gospel, but he endured hardships, persecutions. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. If you really think about it, he's not a weak man. But Paul said, I boast in my weakness. Why? Because he understood his weaknesses. He understood that it wasn't by his strength. It was by God's. I'm here to tell you tonight, God wants to redeem your life for a purpose. God wants to redeem your life for a reason. He redeems it so that you can have a relationship with him again. But not only that, he redeems it so that you can let other people know that he redeemed you. I love what it says in Psalms 107, and I'm ending with this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His, faith, his faithful love endures forever. And it says this, Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Some of you don't understand that there is power in your redemption. There is power in your words when Christ has redeemed you. Well, well, Jacob, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to tell someone about Jesus. I, I, I never went to Bible school. I, I, I've only been coming for two to three weeks. Uh, my, my family didn't grow up in church. Let me encourage you tonight. If you experience the power of God's redemption, that's all you need. If you just acknowledge that you're a sinner, if you ask for forgiveness, if you know he's changed you, then that's all you need. It says in Revelations 12, 11, 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your testimony holds power. Your own personal experience holds power. There's a reason why God redeemed you. He redeemed you so that you can tell others that you've been redeemed. See, in Matthew 9, verse 37, it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. I read this statistic uh, last night on Christians sharing their faith, and it says this. In 1993, 89% of Christians who had shared their faith agree that it was their responsibility of every Christian to share their faith. Today, just 52% say it's their responsibility. Only half of Christians believe that it's their responsibility to share their faith. How many people are walking in your life, they're walking by not knowing Jesus because you didn't tell them? How many people are walking away with their lives still polluted with sin because you failed to tell them how God redeemed you? Because you failed to tell them what God had done in your life. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For everyone calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? It's our responsibility. I thank God for pastors who shared about their redemption. I thank God for our pastors who never stopped telling their story. Because if it wasn't for them telling their story, if it wasn't for them taking up that responsibility, we probably wouldn't be here right now. Some of you probably would have still been addicted. Some of you probably would have been divorced, probably would have been lost out in the world, probably would have even been dead. But thank God we had people who took up that responsibility. Thank God we had people who are willing to share about their redemption. So tonight I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to encourage you that if you've been redeemed, speak out. If that God has redeemed your life in any way, if you are headed towards hell, if you are living for sin, if you're on your way to death, if he's redeemed you, then we have to share it. It doesn't matter who you tell. It doesn't, you don't have to be on this platform. All you have to do is just tell somebody. All you have to do is share about your redemption because there's a purpose behind Jesus redeeming your life. Don't waste it. If Jesus is willing to give his life for you and I, knowing who you were, knowing that you'd be a jacked up sinner just like me, if he was willing to die for you, then we have to be willing to live our life for him. Let me have every head bowed and every eye closed. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.